Hear now these words from the book of 2 Kings. Now when the Lord was about to take up Elijah, up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry land. This is one of our sacred stories. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, in this time we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together bring glory and honor to you and are acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, this morning I wanted to tell you the story of Agnes. Agnes was born to an upper-class Albanian family, youngest of three children. Her family had a strong faith, good connections. Certainly Agnes could have led a very good life there. She could have raised a family, instructed them in the Christian faith. But Agnes was willing to go a little bit further in her walk with God, so she joined the Sisters of Loretta, an order of nuns in Dublin, Ireland. So Agnes traveled to this strange land to learn in this school. But that wasn't the end. Agnes was wanting to go a little bit further, so she went to Darjeeling, India, and there took her first vows as a nun. So that could be a good place to live. Certainly, now she could settle down in the convent. No, Agnes was willing to go just a little bit further. She became a teacher at a school in Calcutta. Certainly now she could settle down. Well, she did for a little while. She taught for 15 years in a very safe and protected environment. But Agnes was willing to go just a little bit further. She experienced what she called her second calling, this moment that God came to her. And this time, 
God was asking her to leave the safety of the school and leave and work, go out into the streets to minister among the poor. It was a hard choice. She had to fly in the face of convention. She had to petition the archbishop to allow her to minister alone in the streets. And she began teaching the poor basic hygiene and teaching them to read with the most advanced resource she had. She wrote in the dirt for them. Human need always seems to outweigh human help. But within a year of beginning her new work, many young women began flooding to help as if they were just waiting for someone to start being Jesus in that place. And in spite of the uncomfortable feelings of the Catholic Church about starting a new religious order, the missionaries of charity were born in India. And of course, Agnes is known by the name she took when she first took her vows as a sister of Loretto, Teresa. And until her death in 1997, Mother Teresa worked with the poorest of the poor, depending on God for all of her needs. She died with one robe, a pair of sandals, and a rosary. And honors too numerous for her to mention had come her way in her life as the world stood astounded by her care for those that are usually deemed of little value to the rest of the world. In her own eyes, she called herself God's little pencil, that he was free to write whatever he wanted. All because she was willing to go just a little bit further. Well, Elisha is a man who's faced with a similar choice. A prophet of the Lord, Elijah, gave him the option to stay at Gilgal. I'm sure it's a lovely town. Mild winters, good place for bananas and dates in the area, not too far from Jericho, a place where certainly Elisha could settle down and make a good place for himself. But Elisha wanted to go just a little bit further. So he goes on to Bethel, where he's greeted by prophets of a similar vocation, prophets of the Lord who come out and speak a word of true prophecy, so we know they're true prophets. Stay here, Elijah says. Bethel's nice, right in the hill country right in the middle of the action, easy access to whomever God has called him to speak an oracle against. Obviously, you can get a job as a prophet here. They come out to meet him. Certainly here. He can settle down, make a good life for himself. No, Elisha wants to go a little bit farther. So they go back down the valley into Jericho. Again, greeted by true prophets. Elijah says, stay. Well, Jericho's nice. Rift Valley, more mild winters. You still have the bananas and the dates. You're 15 miles from Jerusalem, plus not too far from the Dead Sea and those mineral skin treatments that are so popular. It's a good place to stay. Nope. Elisha wants to go a little bit further. He goes with Elijah, and because he does, he gets to see the waters part. He gets to see fiery chariots. He gets to witness whirlwinds. All of that because he was willing to go just a little bit further. Well, of course, this always brings us to the question, how far will we go? And that's a really hard question to answer because we never really know how far God has us going. Elijah never told Elisha they're just going to make a big circle from Gilgal to Bethel and back to Jericho and across the Jordan. Abraham wasn't told where the promised land was. Peter never imagined when he dropped his fishing nets that one day he would speak to all these Jewish men in Jerusalem on Pentecost. God never told Mother Teresa when she left Albania she'd never see her mother again and start that new order in India. And unfortunately for us, God doesn't send a letter addressed saying, okay, here's the plan. 
are you in? No, we are guided by a hand that we can't hold and a voice that we can't hear and a God that we can't see. And to add to the frustration, God seems to be more about destinations than God seems to care about journeys. And like so many journeys, there are good places to stop along the way. And Elijah gave Elisha plenty of good places to stop. Stay here. And Elisha could have said, okay, you know, this is a long and uncertain walk. Pop prophets are incredibly unpopular. Let's say our goodbyes. I'm just going to get a job here and be one of these prophets. But Elisha decided to take a chance to act on faith. This morning, you have already decided to take a chance to come and see what this crazy Old Testament professor might actually have to say to you today, to see what in the world this pastor search committee has been doing with their time this whole time. You came to church this morning. Something inside you said, I could sleep in, I could watch TV, I could get that long neglected chore done. I'm not trying to make that sound like the better option at this point, but I just, you know what? Some of you are going, yeah, I really could have done that. But I need to go a little bit further. I'm going to go to church. Sometimes a seemingly innocent decision like that can be the difference in your life. In all seriousness, that willingness is usually the first step to an often amazing journey. I look back on the decisions that have brought me here before you today, decisions that took me from Indiana to Mississippi and from Mississippi to Texas and Texas to Georgia and Georgia to Illinois. I've seen God work in some amazing ways in the lives of students who've been willing to say, I'd like to go a little bit farther. They might get involved and lead a campus club. They might edit a newspaper on campus. They, they might get involved in the local community doing good work, stretch themselves a little bit, meeting people, helping people they never would have dreamed. And then while students say, you know what? I think I can go a little bit further. So they study in Seville, Spain, or Thailand, or New Zealand, or Argentina, or like one student of mine, minister to women who are exploited as victims of sex trafficking in Eastern Europe as a college student. They begin to realize that life is not something that begins sometime out there. Life happens all around us right now. You can see the lasting difference in the world these students have been making because they said I go a little bit further. And after leaving college, willing to go a little further than that, I have former students ministering in places I can't publicly talk about today. But let me also say, I honestly don't think there's a sin involved with Elijah getting off this crazy ride, Elisha getting off the crazy ride and taking the safe choice. I do completely understand that safe choice, and I think it can be a, a biblical option. I do think callings are relational. I do think God is willing to work with people where they are. I mean, look at this passage. A prophet of the Lord, Elijah himself, says to Elisha, stay. I don't think we can fault Elisha for staying. I mean, it's true, we don't have Elijah's tone of voice here, but I don't think he's trying to guilt Elijah into coming, no, no, that's fine, I'll go on to Gilgal without you. I, I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's giving him an option to get off this little ride. I think Elisha can choose to stay. Clearly, he can get a job. There are prophets working in Jericho. There are prophets working in Bethel. But it takes faith to step any further. And Elijah knew that. Faith is hard. Faith is taking those steps when you aren't fully sure where your foot is going to land. I actually lived a great parable for faith. It's actually based on a really dumb decision that I made in college. But as a result, it turned into a really great parable for faith. So... We'll say the glass is half full. 
When I was in college, my best friend Mike and I went to visit my family in eastern Kentucky. And up in those mountains sometimes, thick fog can roll in unexpectedly. You can be driving along and everything's fine and everything's clear and suddenly you drive right into a cloud. And we rolled into the deepest fog that I have ever seen in my entire life. I could not see the end of the hood of my car. Now, the smart driver pulls over and waits for the fog to clear. But as I said, I was a college student. So my friend and I realized that while we couldn't see three feet in front of us, it was less than three feet to the ground. So, since he could see the lines on, the, on his side of the road, for the next two hours, he guided me by saying, left, left, right, right, left, left, left. <laughs> now, while this is a terrible story for me as a role model, I understand. <laughs> it's a great story when it comes to illustrating, well, first of all, how dumb I was as a college student, and secondly, what faith truly is. I was trusting in a voice that I knew wouldn't steer me wrong because Mike didn't want to drive off the mountain any more than I did. In life, the path that God has called us to walk can be as foggy as those eastern Kentucky roads. But we trust in a voice that says, move right, move left. You can stop or you can go just a little bit further. But one thing that is particularly interesting to me in this passage, when the Bible is telling this story, when we talk about those prophets that stay at Jericho, the prophets at Bethel, we don't know any of their names. They did apparently work for God. They did speak true oracles, but they did so in anonymity. Elisha chooses to go. And because Elisha is willing to go, he is the one who gets to see the waters part and the chariots burn and the winds blow. He is the one who inherits the double portion of Elijah's mission, who, who lives out that call and continues to challenge kings and people. You know, the church faces a number of challenges ahead in this world today. We need to find ways for the gospel to be heard by a world that isn't hearing quite as well as it used to. Of course, we'll be tempted to stay where we are. We need to find ways to share God's love with people who feel unloved and unlovable. And of course, we'll be tempted to stay where we are. We need to structure ministries of a church so that the person sitting next to us or the person who hasn't come here yet experiences the presence of the divine because that's what always precedes worship. And of course, we'll want to stay with what we know. There'll be plenty of places where we can be tempted to say, all right, this is as far as I can go. But McLean Baptist needs to ask itself, how far will you go as a church? Are you willing to go just a little bit further? Do you want to get off here? Staying with those nameless prophets? It's going to be tempting. It's safe. It's comfortable. It doesn't take quite as much faith. It's not quite as hard. It does seem to be some work you can do. But if you want to see the waters part and the chariots burn, you have to be willing to go just a little bit further. It'll be uncomfortable. It'll be unsettling. It'll be unknown. But it'll be miraculous. Of course, this sermon is a not-so-subtle conversation with you about me and with me about you. This has been a question the committee has asked me, and I have asked them many times. Oh, we have said it in different ways. They've asked, why in the world would a college professor want to be a pastor? And I've asked them, why in the world would a church want a college professor as their pastor? But in truth, what each of us was asking ourselves was, how far are we willing to go together? And we have both continued to answer the question, I'm willing to go just a little bit further at every stage of this process. Now, we have some questions to answer both corporately 
and individually. How far are we willing to go? How far are you willing to go personally? I know some of you have watched the sermon I preached at Westwood Baptist a few weeks ago. In it, I said something that I truly believe to be true. I really only have one sermon. Be like Jesus. I can preach it from any text you give me in a lot of different ways, but be like Jesus. That's it. I believe in our call corporately to be the body of Christ, our call individually to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. And when I look at Jesus, I see someone who is always willing to go just a little bit further. You know, how many times have we prayed, God, if I just knew where I was going? Unfortunately, God is a God of journeys more than a God of destinations. You know, it wouldn't have taken more than a week to get from Egypt to Canaan. It took Moses a generation. Abraham was promised the land of Canaan for his descendants, and it took five books, 400 years, and 300 pages of my Bible to get there. If all we're worried about are the results and the ends, that's a lot of wasted space. But luckily, God checks in along the way and says, you still with me? You need a break? You could stay. I know there'll be times of doubt. I know there will be questions. In fact, based on my reading of the Bible, I don't think it's a call from God if it doesn't scare you a little bit and make you feel a little bit inadequate. Well, don't worry about your doubt because it puts you in good company with everyone who has ever encountered a call from God. Abraham, Moses, Peter all had their questions about their abilities. But I've discovered in my study of scriptures, God is not as interested in what you can do as much as our willingness to do it. And as we are passing the next stop on our journey personally and as a church family, I can't tell you what to do. But I would encourage you and warn you to remember that God is only going to take this church and you as far as you are willing to go. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we come again to you feeling unworthy of the challenges you set before us. We come to you scared of the challenges you set before us, and we come to you very often more than a little skeptical of the challenges you set before us. Today and each day, I pray for the wisdom to know your will for each of us here individually and for this church body. I pray for the courage to be willing to go a little bit further. Help us to be that bold. Help us to have the faith, though faith is hard. Help us to take that step in what can often seem a fog because we trust in your voice. Help us to have the faith, dear God, to see the waters part and the chariots burn and the winds blow. Amen.